I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Chamber Breakers, presented by Verizon Business and Yahoo Finance. I'm Leanna Brindad, head of Yahoo Finance UK. And I'm Xavier White, CSR and Innovation Marketing Manager at Verizon Business. During this series, Leanna and I will be inviting thought leaders to break the echo chambers surrounding key societal issues. And in this season, we're focused on corporate social responsibility, education and the workforce at a time of global crisis. We're delighted to welcome Sandra Kerr OBE, Race and Equality Director at Business in the Community, BITC. Well, today I want to talk about the times that we're in. And it's amazing that it doesn't matter what part of the world that you, you are residing, you will know what I am talking about. We have seen the devastating impact of COVID-19. We have seen the anti-racism protests around the world, the complexities that are facing us when we think about what's going to happen when we look at economic recovery. And I'm saying that if ever um, the recovery needs to be inclusive, it's now. If ever we need to draw on the gifts and talents that everyone has in our workplaces, in our supply chains, it's now. If we ever want to draw on the expertise so that we can really build back better and collaboratively and uh, responsibly and effectively, we need everybody in the UK to feel like, you know, I've got a part to play. I think it's, we need leaders for the future. So what does, you know, a leadership in that space looks, look like? I think there's a real importance for leaders to be kind of clear, have a clear sense of purpose, reasons, why, why are we doing this? And to be able to communicate that to others, vital in this season where change is happening very quickly and words like pivot has become normal to say how quickly we're going to change direction. And you need leaders who are able to communicate, this is the change of direction, this is why we're doing it, so that it can really bring people along with them in those times. I think we need leaders who are aware of their own um, triggers, aware of their own emotions, so that they can manage those and not have their buttons pressed in public. Um, being aware, so being self-aware of what your emotional triggers are, what the challenges are, so that you can do that self-talk. You can be, you ground yourself in your value, values. You ground yourself in your rationale so that you're ready and able to respond in a calm manner, even sometimes in the face of what can feel like um, extreme provocation. I think what we also need is leaders who have a vision for the future, so can help to paint a picture of what does new look like, what does difference look like, what does change look like, and how are we going to get there, and what is the role of everybody 
in our team or in our organization? What role are we all playing to ensure that we get there? I think we are living in times where we need leaders with empathy. So who care, who can take perspectives from other people and not just see everything through the way that it's always been or not believe that their circle of influence or their uh, the, the friends and neighbors and, and maybe even the people they work with, that that's the world and actually not having that broader perspective and being able to act with empathy when challenges and opportunities come rather than saying, oh, that's not important or why are we even discussing this? And that leads me, to, I think, to leaders with strength and confidence who, you know, the days of I am the leader and I know everything and I've got all the answers and everybody just follow me, don't ask me any questions, just get on with it. That is over. The times we're in now, we need leaders who will listen to understand, who are humble enough to say, actually, I don't understand. You seem to be bringing a new perspective. Can we hear and listen a bit more and try and understand where you're coming from? And then very much trying to forge a future together where people feel like they're on board, they feel like they're included. And more so the role I do, I, I my role is to really encourage policymakers, employers to think about inclusion. And in its truest sense, it's bringing on everyone, bringing on people from different backgrounds, bringing on those whose voices often are not listened to, who potentially in the past, maybe policies have been made and everybody happy and we've moved on. No, it's really about listening and actively listening to understand, implementing together, evaluating together and, you know, put your hand up if you have got it wrong. Be proactive rather than trying to just pretend, oh, that's all right, or cover it up because people can see through that. And I think people are looking for that just honesty um, and confidence to, to not always be right. Sandra, thank you so much for that speech. There's so much to unpack there. Um, but one of the things that really stood out was, um, as you identified, this year has been um, a catalyst for change. And with that, rethinking what leadership looks like. And when we talk about education, a lot of it is about how do we skill up a workforce? How do we um, get people to do the right functional things for new work? But actually at the heart of it, where is the education when it comes to EQ? There's been a lot of focus on IQ and skills, but as you identified, in order for business to be better, there needs to be that kind of emotional intelligence and some people need to learn that. So how would you say, are key ways that leaders can develop those skills? Um, I think the first thing, so, you know, thanks for the question, but really, really important. I think to lead um, the workforce of the future, the, you know, the workspaces um, of the future, not necessarily with everyone in front of you. Um, there is a real need for leaders to be able to communicate um, clearly, to be able to listen and demonstrate that they've listened through their behaviors and actions that follow. I think there's an, a real need for everyone to recognize that there's potentially something to learn opposed to just continuing as we've always done things. So I think being aware um, that actually change is here and 
as things evolve, as the different experiences do evolve, as we start to connect with people for the first time over a screen. You know, you can't just now say, oh, we'll wait until we can have coffee one day. So I think the first thing and most important thing a leader needs to do is be open to that and think about what that means for their behavior um, and what that means um, so that they can model what they want others to do by demonstrating um, the behavior themselves. Um, and I think asking questions and not being shy of, well, you know, we, we haven't we haven't got the, the kind of the, the ambience in of where we've got a building, we've got some coffee, we've got food to kind of, you know, help their conversation or wine, as <laughs> some people would use. Actually, actually just being, you know, thinking about how do you show interest in other people by asking questions, and as I say, not thinking that you have to have the answer to everything. So really coming, being quite open and being comfortable with being open and comfortable without knowing all the answers. You know, we've, we've mentioned EQ, we've mentioned emotional intelligence. Before we go any further, I was wondering, what is the definition of EQ to you? If you were to explain it to someone that sort of heard it, because we've all heard it, but doesn't really know much about it more than a buzzword. What is it? Well, I'd have to say, first of all, why is it called EQ and not EI? You know, I, I remember when I first was examining, you know, really kind of thinking about this. I see it as being aware. So self-awareness of yourself, your own emotions, what um, I touched on these things, how you are triggered, knowing you're having a real kind of clear sense of purpose. And I think... A, a, a real line where values, what your values are, and you know the hierarchy of how important they are. I think there's also a need to be self-aware. So it's, and that comes through, I think, reflectiveness and also being willing to take feedback from people about how you are perceived without getting all offended about it. It's actually recognizing that that's their perception. They're not talking about you and your motivations and what's in your heart because they don't know what that is. But what they're talking about is the behavior that they see and what that makes them think, feel. I also think it's about motivation. So being really kind of clear. So the role I do, I see I'm changing the world. I see it as I'm helping those who don't have a voice to have one based on evidence, based on um, integrity, not kind of trying to do um, uh, sensation, but using data and insight to say, what should we be doing? So I think a strong sense of what are your motivations um, for doing what you're doing? You know, essentially, when you strip it all away, what do you want to do? What, what, why are you doing this? So I think a strong sense of that. Yeah, you've picked up on some really great tools that leaders, you know, should and be able to take in terms of being able to get to that level. When it comes to businesses wanting to create more leaders having that understanding, having those tools. Do you think businesses should actually make it mandatory to do training like this for um, certain levels of leaders or company-wide in order to have that greater, compassionate, empathetic leadership in the DNA of a company? I would um, say 100% I'm in agreement with you, um, Leanna. I think it should be mandatory. I mean, when you think about leaders of other people it feels almost irresponsible to unleash people you know, 
on, on to leave who don't have a clue, who have no empathy, who live in a bubble um, and cannot even listen to understand. So yes, everybody's had their own upbringing and that's who they are. And, and you know, everyone is valuable, you know, in their, in, in their own right. But actually there is a real need to be able to um, empathize and take perspective different people and not be dismissive of it, not judge them and say, oh, you know, that's ridiculous, whatever, but actually really listen to understand, have compassion and get heads together to say, so what can we do here? Opposed to just sweeping judgments and saying, oh, this is ridiculous or because you don't understand. And I actually just thinking out loud, I think some of that um, dismissiveness is people do not like being in uh, it's the old-fashioned arena where I need to know everything. Hello, I'm the leader, so I'm expected to know every answer to every question at every time and be the expert in every conversation. I mean, please, let's stop that because real human beings, that is not the case. So I think it's time for us to just be really authentic. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, that's that's so true. And I was kind of thinking, taking this a little bit further about diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And we know that the more diverse a workplace is, the more innovative it is, and the more innovative a workplace is, the more profitable it is. So, you know, there's a, there's a massive incentive not just because it's the right thing to do, but if all you actually care about is the bottom line, even still there's an incentive to be diverse. Um, how important is this kind of leadership in making sure our, our workforce is diverse and then actually attracting a diverse workforce as well? I mean, I think the leadership is critical. Um, you know, you talk about, you know, the incentives. We know just focusing just on ethnicity, for example, it's worth 24 billion per annum, not one-off it continually. I sit on a Royal Society kind of committee and they've done research, it's well researched. The more diverse the group of people, the better decisions because you're more thorough, you're taking all the perspectives, you're identifying all the blind spots and then the potential for creativity, you know, is just, you know, um, you, you can't kind of capture that because it's un unlikely you're just gonna rush to judgment, rush to decisions, whether you're a private sector business or a policy maker, actually, um, because it's really costly, as we can see, to do have to do a review of everything where it doesn't work. So you need leaders who can, who have almost the patience and urgency. So the patience to listen to voice and take perspectives and enable that space for people to shine and not be afraid to let others shine, where it's obviously, you know, it, there's an issue that arises and you've got something in your team who obviously some hidden expertise that we didn't even know existed starts to come to the fore, really creating the environment for them to lead in that dimension or in that space. There's something about this here as well, that it's about going on a journey too. And so when we think about education, um, sometimes when things are more skill quantifiable, there seems to be an end goal. So whether it's, I don't know, 
learning how to code, you know, there's set parameters and a set exam. And at the end of it, you get a thing. And when it comes to something like emotional intelligence, empathy, um, understanding about diverse, when you have diversity training, um, everything about it, that's a lot more nuanced. And actually, in a way, like, I think that is a lot harder to actually teach, um, whether it's people or units or businesses or societies, because that is human, that is a lot of things are ingrained and it takes a long time. And when it comes to, um, we're talking about education and obviously these trainings and trying to make sure that, yeah, we build this greater diverse and inclusive workforce. It's sometimes trying to feel, you know, and especially for uh, a lot of us that for years or decades or hundreds of years have been trying to break that system and attitude. Sometimes it can feel like a drop in the ocean doing a one hour training for a team or something to get them on that mindset. So boiling it like uh, down to, I suppose, aspirationally in the future, what can business or the education system do to start molding that mindset a bit earlier rather than right at the top level, we have a we have a critical year this year where it's about breaking down systemic racism and doing it more than uh, an hour training or two hour training. How do we build a new system to stop this? I mean, so I think there's a huge thing. So you talk about the education system. So I think something actually that is quite simple that can be done, that I think is, you know, needs to be done is school history curriculums all the subjects. So when you're talking, teaching, you're looking at role models, inventors who invented something, find a black role model, find an Asian person who did it as well. Yes, even find, first of all, dig up the UK history because there's a lot in this country, but also if you need to go international, go international. So actually what you're starting already with Young Minds is showing history and people have done great works are across the, the, the board so that Young Minds can actually see themselves and others can see other people realize oh that person's like me and i think that intersection not only on ethnicity but social background so people who've come from nothing and broken through i think it's important to show that because um some young people or many are growing up without you know all the privileges and things and therefore mustn't feel like they're outside of um, success i think another thing that's really important and we've seen that's missing when we did um an infographic for Windrush Day, there's less than 1%, I think, of head teachers who are black, you know, or even in schools where there's a lot of children from that background. I think there are, and I know, well, I know there are um, stubborn disparities around um, unemployment. I used to do uh, advice, host, lead an advisory group for DWP. And I know that as long as we've been keeping records, there's been an unemployment gap if you're um, black or you're, or Asian, you're more likely to be unemployed for longer, sometimes three times, the rate is three times higher and some of these barriers. So that's why we need employers to actively look at when they're doing their um, recruitment initiatives, to look at the kind of de dem demographic data. And then the next challenge is around progressing people. So once they get in, enabling them with good work. So how do you get progress? Do you showcase your fabulous skills and talents with a stretch opportunity, project you get you know the people on the management floor get to see your good works and then you're known by other people than your own line manager so that when opportunities come you can get 
access to them. We need that kind of behavior. And all we need is if every employer did it. So I know you talk about the trainings, but think about it. If every employer did it and it all followed up with action and they all made sure that everyone did the actions, we'd get change. So some people think, oh, it's only a little thing. Yeah, it's only a little thing because only a few organizations are doing it. But if every leader organization said, look, we're all going to do this together, if all the this education system, every, every school, everyone said we're going to do this together, it wouldn't fix it all, but it would definitely put us on our way. Mm, yeah, definitely. And you spoke about, you know, changes that the educational world can make, changes that the business world can make that affect the business world. But, you know, a lot of the people listening to this will be from a business background. Is there something that those people, whatever level they're at, can do to try and help perhaps the education to take from their level to look down a level or to take from their company and look to the wider world so that we can scale this impact and not just have it as institutions looking internally, but actually try and take this now as a platform to to encourage people to change in the wider world. So with employers, I think the way for them to make impact is collaborate as a sector. So just take it over. Everybody working in this sector, this is how we're going to behave. And we want that behavior for those who supply to us. So there's a huge opportunity to kind of sweep up all the business world through greater sector collaboration and issues. And then also say we want suppliers who work with us to also do the same. So there's a huge, if you think, domino effect of doing that. And also many employers who support universities and schools can say, those of you who we support also, we want you to kind of follow these kind of misbehavior and these actions. And I think one of the things we've seen sweeping really across our businesses, um, particularly in the lights of what's, you know, the recent, um, you know, anti-racism protests and things. And we saw black and white people outside saying, look, you know, we don't want this. We want a better future is, you know, allyship, which, I know has, it's not new as a concept, but it is kind of new to ethnicity as far as everybody kind of speaking up for everyone else. So I think there's something that we can all do that if we observe non-inclusive behaviours, no matter what somebody's background is, um, you know, speak up. If we see it's not right, we all have kind of almost that responsibility, I think. Before we go, I know that, Xavier, you've got one more question or something that you want to say just before we do wrap up. I do indeed. I actually wanted to just give a quick shout out to, to the work you do with BITC and BITC as an organisation, because we were talking about ways that people can help to change the world. And Verizon has been a member of the BITC and has found that, that is actually a really great way to help change the world. And through that, we've picked up a lot of requests that have come in on the um, the national business response or the emergency business response. And there's been charities that haven't managed to really cope through the pandemic. They've gone, help, how do we deliver our services? Suddenly we used to work in the community, now the world is digital. Verizon has been in a very fortunate place to be a digitally enabled company to help and to across the different Verizon companies, Verizon Media, etc., to offer expertise. But you know, we couldn't have done that without the ITC. And so actually the help that we can offer has been amplified so much. So I, I really want to just give a shout out to, to BITC and all, all the work that you do and the work that you do with them, Sandra, because it's amazing. 
And that's really lovely because, you know, I'm glad it's, you know, you're, what you've done is that bit of allyship, Xavier, rather than me have to be like mentioning BITC every five minutes. You have given <laughs> you have done. But also the, the you know, the, the National Business Response Network has just come in really timely um, to stop maybe things being wasted where others would need it. Young people need technology who don't have access to that to be doing their education and kind of smaller charities, some feeding, you know, some uh, airlines at the beginning had food, you know, so we could kind of pivot quickly and share that. I mean, so much kind of good has been done through that. And because of the times we're in, I think, you know, that that need for that network and that support is just going to grow. And, you know, I, I want to say a huge thank you to you, your organisation, Horizon, and the other employers who have just been responsive and helped us to, to, to get the platform up and running and get the, the support to the people that need it. That's great. Thank you so much, Sandra. And so for people who are listening on right now, thinking they want to change the world too, where can they follow you? Where can they get more information? How do people find you online? Okay, so I am on Twitter at Sandra Kerr, um, BITC. And also just come, come to the BITC website. Um, you'll see and look up race and you'll see lots of kind of reports and things that we've put out, um, webinars, Race at Work Charter. There's so much stuff that we're involved in right now. We've got, I think, more than 500 employers that have signed up to that charter. And you can join that movement and be part of the change that we want to see. Awesome. I will definitely be checking out anything I haven't already seen after this conversation. Yes, and thank you for joining us. And for anyone that has been watching or listening to this, you can find videos and articles about this series on the Yahoo Finance UK site. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and subscribe to hear more.